Hey, what is up, guys? It's the AI Wizard Show, Wizard Show Part Two, and I have Stick Bosmans here with me, and we are Hello. ready to <laughs> we're ready to chat about all sorts of interesting topics, uh, AI related or not. Uh, we'll we'll see, we'll see. It, it, it usually like goes goes like to all sorts of places. So yeah. okay, so okay, start like uh, tell a little bit about yourself, like some backstory. Okay, um, so I, I studied applied engineering a couple of years ago, and after that I started working um, in uh, in two companies. A first healthcare company, Johnson and Johnson, mm-hmm. an IT analyst, um, but it was not technical, and I, I really didn't like it because of that. So I, uh, I switched jobs after that um, to. Uh, to a more development role. It was a front-end development. And actually, it was there that I started uh, working with AI. Um, but mm-hmm. I also did some work work in, in Johnson & Johnson in healthcare with AI. But mostly, my hand-on, my first hand-on, hands-on experience with AI was in uh, in my front-end job, um, which which I really liked. And, and uh, starting there, I, I got interested in AI and, and mm-hmm. uh, and decided to pursue and, and, a and, 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 and how long ago was that? Well, I gotta think it, it's about three years ago, I think. Okay. Okay, so 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 you you've studied for applied engineering, right? Um, yeah, correct. Yeah. So you, you get a job in healthcare, but it's not uh, it's not too practical and you wanna like get your hands dirty and you know build stuff. Yeah? Exactly. So you switch it yeah. to 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 where again? Yeah, it was it was like a, a small startup startup uh-huh. company. Um, it was mainly focused on on um, yeah business process engineering and so on. And I was a front end developer, uh, so so way more technical stuff. But we we were doing some research projects, um, okay. and I was mainly working on these research projects. And, and one part of it was was like um, some security platform where we did like audio. Um, like voice recognition, um, mm-hmm. things like face recognition, mm-hmm. uh, fingerprint recognition, all these things, and we just used public APIs for that. But then we wanted to do something extra and combine all these different security mm-hmm. measures and try to predict unusual behavior to see if we need to have extra security measures before someone can log in or something. Um, and, and that's when I started looking at neural networks and uh, uh-huh. some unsupervised learning techniques. So, so some, so, so it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like when banks or you know, e-commerce, you know, platforms, uh, they use kind of similar algorithms to detect uh, fraud and you know that sort of thing. So you've you've started to look for ways to make those security systems more robust, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So it was mm-hmm. a partnership with Vasco. It's a it's a very big security company. Mm-hmm. Um, they had an office here in Belgium. I'm not sure if it's a Belgian company or not, but they do a lot mm-hmm. of um, security works for uh, security projects for banks and, and so on. Okay. So I, maybe you remember these these like little devices. I think I have one here. Uh, yeah, like, cool. this, like like these things. Mm-hmm. Do you know them in in Russia? <laughs> it it looks like a calculator to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, and it, you need to. Uh, put your credit card in it, and okay. then, uh, you you it generates a code, um, mm-hmm. and you need, you use it to authenticate on your home banking or something. So that that's what we use here in it's, Belgium anyway. It's it, it, it is it like the thing that you pay within a supermarket or 
in in a in a store or in a shop or no, no, is no, it no, like it's really for 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 home banking only you use oh. it here at home um, okay. it's like uh, some some kind of two factor authentication i guess um, and and in all the banks here in belgium they use uh -huh. they use these devices and they're provided by fasco but this this is like really ancient technologies already five <laughs> years old and and they wanted to replace it by by things like uh, face recognition and so on so, so, so like, like let me just know if i'm getting the you know the the purpose of it correctly so it's kind of a another level of security if you want to pay uh, for something from like your home you can plug your card in enter the password and it'll kind of confirm the transaction is that kind of the way it yeah works? yeah okay yeah exactly uh -huh. yeah okay uh, i don't know uh, like like the reason why, why i kind of started to talk about like supermarkets and all that i see a lot of those in supermarkets so when it's kind of not a big one when it's like a big one you can just you know just kind of uh, put your card there you don't even have to enter much if if uh, if you're buying products for less than about 20 bucks in yeah Robles. exactly yeah 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 it, it's similar but uh but these we only use for for, for the home banking yeah Hmm, th that's actually pretty cool. I, yeah, I've, I've I've never seen those in, you know. Yeah, I'm here. surprised. I thought everyone was using them or or had been using them in the past. Uh, but, but 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 I mean like uh, I mean all the times that I've paid for something on the internet, it's basically asking me to like enter my credit card information and then the I don't know what that little code uh, that's called security code. The CVC like, code, like, yeah. Yeah 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 on the back of the card. And it's basically all it took for me to pay. And then if it was Amazon, it like sent me a message on my phone to like confirm stuff. So yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. but this is for the debit cards. So you, you always uh. need to have enter your code before you can authorize a transaction. And that's why you need uh, something to enter your codes and yeah. then you can you can use it. So with credit cards, you don't always need to uh, use your, uh, your PIN code. So I guess maybe that's a difference. Yeah. So, so like, if you if you're buying something on the internet, that's what you gotta have like by your side in your pocket, maybe. Yeah. Like, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Otherwise, otherwise you can't buy anything. At least it used to be like that. Okay. <laughs> and, and 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 have you like while working there looked at maybe some studies? Uh, I don't know that like countries or places that use these devices for you know another layer of authentication. Like, are there less fraud and you know? Is it like safer? I mean, I guess it is, but like, have you seen the numbers or something? Like no, that? I, well, actually, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm really not. I don't know a lot about security, so. Uh, okay. I, well, I, I, really... I, I guess it's safer because, like, uh, in in my case, I guess if I like fall asleep and some, you know, uh, some burglar or like whatever, someone break breaks into into the house and like takes my credit card, buys something, uh, then I like wake up and all my money's gone. Yeah, I mean that's actually yeah, safer. exactly because it, because it, it like it generates a token after, mm -hmm. uh, but first you need to authenticate with your pin code and then it generates a token, mm -hmm. and this token you can use. So there, there's really also it's not connected to the internet mm -hmm. device, so oh. they they can't get your get your information uh, directly. You you all you you really need to have this device mm -hmm. in order to uh, to to steal credit card information or something. So yeah. So, so 
and you enter your pin code like that, like every single time you buy something online. So yeah, that's yeah. Work. It's, it's, okay. it's a hassle. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's that, that's secure. I, I I guess I guess like uh, I would rather spend extra five seconds doing that than lot lose. Yeah, you know, true money. story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're getting yes. too lazy sometimes, uh-huh. right? And then you forget about security and privacy. <laughs> but uh, it's important. Of course. Yeah. So you work in that startup that gets partnered with that big uh, security company. Um, yeah, w- what are you working on there? So I'm, I mean, just down start yeah yeah so maybe um what, what i was working on was as i said i was mainly doing this front-end development then we, we tried to build a poc um to do um to do authentication like face authentication mm-hmm. fingerprint authentication things like that and uh, one of the things that we also looked at was um okay how can we uh, try to predict if some authentication action is 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 uh, trustworthy or not? Mm-hmm. So, for example, what we try to do, and and that was an algorithm that we looked at, is okay. What is happening when someone logs in um, at a very unusual time in a very unusual place? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe we need we need to take this into account um, when when trying to authorize someone to to use a service or something. And, and when that happens, uh, that's kind of the info you know gets get uh, passed on to a person who then reviews it and you know then kind of tries to decide how yeah well it, it was it was just a poc so um the we were just developing the technology and and mm-hmm. how it would be used at something else of course so we were really looking at the technology and seeing what is possible um and and we didn't move to to like production type mm-hmm. uh, systems um so of course yeah um, that, I think I think that's the most interesting part because you don't need to worry about moving your product to production. You can just explore mm-hmm. different technologies, experiment with them, mm-hmm. uh, really learn learn about it, uh, make some conclusions, make some recommendations, mm-hmm. and then and then and, and I guess like and, and, something uh-huh. else. And that's the research mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go and ahead. Like, uh-huh. And I guess like that's where kind of the partnership part came into play. So you were and trying to come up with ideas and better ways to that, and, and that big company would have then take your ideas and kind of put them into production on a yeah, bigger exactly. scale. Yeah, that's yeah. the idea. Yeah. So, so what what happens then? Um, yeah. So, so what happens then? It's a POC. I'm I'm not sure what happened with it uh, ultimately because I I left the company. Um, mm-hmm. A couple months later, I only worked there for like like a year or something. Uh, because and, and, that, now, that, and, and that was like two years ago or like a year and a half? Yeah, or? two and a half, two and a half, I think. Oh, okay, two and a half, okay. Yeah, two I and see. a half, three years, something like that. Um, because then I was, I was really enthusiastic about uh, doing AI and experimenting mm-hmm. with AI. And then I started with, uh, with Andrew Engies or Andrew N, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I don't... I do not know that too. I mean, I'm I'm just kind of coming up with like a weird pronunciation in my head, and then hope that I will never have to speak that out loud. So kind of that, that's yeah, exactly. Wrong. But I think cool it's actually it's Andrew mm or something. Mm. Yeah, it's it's but, something of like Ch- Chinese origin, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and and G is is easier to pronounce for me. 
um, yeah. So I started with with his uh, machine learning course on uh, on Coursera, and you you probably know that one. It's like one of the most famous uh, courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I checked so, that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was really great. I started with that one, and then uh, yeah, I was really into that. I really liked it a lot, and I decided to to uh, to do research again. And, and I and, and, and and like how kind of hard was that with with like your base. And like you mentioned that you were, you know, studying the engineering. So, I mean, what amount of effort did it take to kind of make the transition to like, you know, doing AI and learning? Well, I already, I, I knew somewhat uh, about AI, not not very mm -hmm. much, but I use it in my in my master thesis. I used uh, neural networks mm -hmm. uh, to do some predictions, but but I didn't know what was running uh, behind the covers. Let's say I didn't know mm -hmm. how exactly it was working, but I I knew about AI, so uh, I, I I worked with it, and 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 then Andrew Ng's course really motivated me to to start. Uh, looking under the covers of AI, let's say, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and uh, by then I already had some experience with MATLAB. Uh, we mm -hmm. used it also during my, during my uh, masters. Um, so that was quite easy for me. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, I think I, Andrew just does such a good job in explaining it, making it very, very intuitive. Uh, so, 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 it it well, it felt kind of natural, and I just started mm -hmm. doing the exercises, um, and and yeah, I think the pace was just great. And after a month or two, I really felt that I had learned a lot of things and and, mm -hmm. and was able to to start applying them. Um, so so, so on what and on what kind of like little projects for learning were you like making along the way in those like two months? Like, yeah, well, I, I I'm not sure what I did back then. Um, what kind of projects? I think I did some, uh, like I tried some face recognition projects uh, for my home security, things mm -hmm. like that. Always mm -hmm. some hobby projects. But the thing is, I, I always get bored at the end. I start something, mm -hmm. I read about it, I learn about it. And that when I understand what it's doing and I, I, I can mm -hmm. implement something, something very basic. Uh, yeah, I you kind of move on. The next, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that too sometimes. I guess it's quite <laughs> natural. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Um, and so, so, so the pace was pretty quick. And when you, and, and like, what do you decide to do next with that? Um, I think so. So what I did next was, was I, I contacted my, my um, master thesis promoter mm -hmm. uh, because the whole, he already asked me to do a, a PhD prior. So that's like uh, when, I, when I left um, university. Um, so I contacted him again and said, okay, I'm really interested in doing things with AI. Um, is there a possibility to, to start working on a PhD? And, and, and then a couple of months later, uh, there was a position um, I could mm -hmm. start. It was related to mainly related to AIs, uh, but but mostly related to Internet of Things, mm -hmm. uh, partly to AI. And and now I'm two years later. I think and uh, and and still learning a lot. Still uh, so, trying so, uh, to. And how long was was that when you started to do your PhD? Uh, that's like October two years ago. Oh, okay. 
so so you've been in the game for a while yeah now yeah. it's yeah i'm uh I, I still have like one year and a half to to finish my phd okay so so you're like 60 percent through or something about. like that yeah yeah something like that okay so um i I'm actually a responsible host, so I went and checked your papers, and there was like a lot of interesting stuff on Internet of Things. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and could could you kind of you know start begin the conversation about it by you know telling what excites you about the Internet of Things and maybe how you think about it of, of its like definition? Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, I'm gonna try to do it as good as possible, but that's, sure. there's a lot of things that excite me about IoT, <laughs> so I'm gonna uh, try to, 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 okay. for, um, to articulate it, it correctly. Okay. Um, so, mainly what I think is, is very cool is, hey, with Internet of Things, you have all these devices connected to the Internet, and that's, that's the main idea, of course. Uh, they're all generating data. And if you look at how IoT is, is being used these days, it's it's mainly in a very reactive way. You mm -hmm. you mainly it's like you use a, a sensor for checking the temperature or something, and then it triggers something else. Um, or for example, how I use it here is um, like when 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 it's um, let's say six o'clock or something, I automatically trigger my um my my radiator to start uh, my heating mm -hmm. system things like that so it's all very reactive um but i think there's a lot of potential given the fact that there are so many devices um i think it's about 20 billion going mm -hmm. towards 50 billion devices connected to the internet um, yeah i've heard the 50 billion number yeah okay. so and they are they're all generating uh this data um and i think there's a lot we can do with it and and really beyond just using it for reactive applications that trigger when a certain threshold has surpassed um so what what i'm really looking at is how can we how how will an iot a large-scale iot system look in in 10 years or something and how can we really add intelligence to these uh, iot mm -hmm. systems and there, and that, there was really a lot of em em emphasis on the decentralization of those techniques in your papers, or at least like that's what I've picked up. Um, um, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah, so, okay, so yeah. Um, th that's that's the architecture part. So if you look at at how these uh, things work nowadays, um, you often have a centralized server that is processing data mm -hmm. and aggregating data from various sensors. Mm -hmm. um, but if we want to move towards very large-scale systems that run on, on city or country scale, um, we, we, we will need more decentralized approaches. And, um, and that also brings me to, to, to how I really look at Internet of Things devices. I don't see them as a single device, but really as an agent um, that has a, that has the the possibility to interact with other agents, with other IoT devices, mm -hmm. and with the environment directly. And and if we take this decentralized approach, maybe it's possible to let them uh, learn to interact with each other and mm -hmm. learn to um, work together, collaborate with other sensors, and try to try to optimize global behavior. For example, if mm -hmm. you want to optimize traffic flow, maybe we can have traffic lights that are uh, connected to each other, can talk can talk to each other, can share information with each other, 
um, and, and try to optimize their traffic light schedule to, to optimize throughput uh, and do that all dynamically, automatically. And, and, uh, and, and the, I think there's a lot of potential there, but we're, we're, we're not there yet. Um, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very difficult case and what I'm uh, what I'm really looking at is how can we uh, uh, simulate these systems because I think the first approach is to go to a proper simulation of these large-scale uh, environments mm -hmm. um, and, and try to uh, develop algorithms to, to test uh, and calibrate the behavior um, so that that's really a first step I believe that we need to take in order to to get towards a fully automated, uh, adaptive, uh, multi-agent Internet of Things environment. Uh, and what are the areas, like, like I don't know, like, what, what are the areas where you kind of can see that the Internet of Things is, like, more developed than in the other areas? Like, where, you know, the meat is, like, now? Um, so you you mean like with areas? Well, what exactly do you mean? Like I mean um, I mean I mean areas like uh, e I don't know e-commerce, healthcare. Ah, okay, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, okay, something like this. Yeah. Um, well, more we're doing a lot with um, smart cities here in mm -hmm. here in Antwerp. Um, uh, we have this smart city zone where we're trying to connect all these different uh, things with each other. Um, we will look at communication technology. Um, uh, we look at we look at uh, making this communication technology like very uh, use very low power, um, and and we have this what we call smart zone where where um, for example traffic lights are connected. Um, I think uh, trash cans like the public trash cans are connected. Um, if they if they are too too stuffed, um, automatically someone from the city. Uh, will be notified and can, can uh, come and, and clean it up. Uh, so so things like that are is, is I think there 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 are a lot of there's a lot of potential there. So so have you gotten a chance to like put your hand on you know on the improvement in Antwerp on like that smart city you know concept and project? Um, we did a POC which was uh, mainly related uh, to. To um, to how do I say? Um, it's a smart part uh, sensing system where we use uh, citizens to collect data, and it's it's not fully IoT because with IoT you're mainly thinking about sensors and, and devices. Um, but we we had a system where we asked uh, citizens to collect data related to their environment like for example uh, do you feel safe in this neighborhood um, how clean is the street and 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 that's that's a thing that we did uh, specifically in the smart zone so we built uh, a system to collect this data and and try to really get a good overview of what's going on in the city try to get for example a good idea of, of where the safe neighborhoods are where uh, the neighborhoods are a bit more dangerous, for example, or less clean, or things like that. Uh, just by by uh, collecting data from from citizens uh, who are participating. That's a uh, POC that uh, we did. Uh -huh. And like, how were you like asking those questions? Uh, um, uh, yeah, so we worked with. Um, it, of course, again, it's a POC, so um, mm -hmm. we we didn't add a fully fully operation. Not yet. Uh, actually, we don't have a fully operational mm -hmm. system yet. 
um, but we 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 tried some some questions and it depends on the stakeholder. Uh, in our case, we, we thought, for example, that the city itself could be the, the stakeholder and uh, they could formulate the questions. Um, and it depends, of course, on what they're interested in, what they're trying to solve. Uh, uh, so really, we, we just created this platform and, and it depends on the stakeholders what they want to do with it. Just mm -hmm. uh, it's, a, it's an opportunity to collect data efficiently, qualitative data, not just quantitative data, because uh, with with IoT, or you're you're gathering quantitative data, of course. And and when like a lot of people are asked the questions, um, who like goes through them and kind of forms the basic picture? Picture like, are there some, you know, algorithms or you know something that extracts the uh, the the meaning from potentially like thousands of of you know answers from the citizens? Um, so you mean really the the data processing when you gather all these uh, the different uh, answers how do you process them and how do yeah, you yeah 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 exactly yeah well um again there we were really focused in, focused on on building the algorithms to collect the data mm -hmm. as efficiently ah, okay. as possible uh, not the the part behind it but what we looked at was how can we make sure that uh, citizens are aren't bothered too much and if someone mm -hmm. already uh, answered a couple of questions this week, maybe we should look mm -hmm. for someone else and, and we try to balance. It, it's of course a trade-off because you're, you're trying to maximize the amount of uh, responses you get, but on the other hand, you don't want to um, bother participants too much, too much because maybe they stop using your service. Yeah, uh, I mean, so, yeah. Uh -huh. It's it it, yeah. it it makes it sound sense like if you know somebody with like like an, uh, you you kind of try to ask them questions and they like think oh like it's those guys that asked me seventy nine questions yesterday <laughs> like get away from me I'm I'm gonna yeah, go and live exactly. I'm gonna go and live in the mountains there are no smart <laughs> cities there I can just I can just sleep under the trees and you know drink the rainwater. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it triggers a response <laughs> like that. that. That's what we're trying to prevent. Yes, <laughs> yes, help and people, not uh, bother. Yeah, them. Yes, and it's the right thing to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. It, it actually reminded me of how I don't know where it's used, but I've definitely read about how police uses some data science to kind of predict the areas and cities where the crimes are most likely to occur, and, and then they like send more. Uh, more police basically there to kind of patrol around and prevent them. For example, yeah, that's, all, yeah. that's a use case, yeah. Of course. Yeah, and, and what can be like some other use cases here? Um, yeah, so what we also thought about, um, I think another one was, was uh, for example, the, the safety of, of, uh, of, let's say, how do you say it in English, uh, like bikers. Uh, we have, we have a lot of bikes here in Antwerp, we're close to the Netherlands, so a lot of people are are cycling, um, mm -hmm. and 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 maybe we can also gather information about uh, the road quality and how they how they feel uh, cycling on the road. Maybe there are some dangerous spots mm -hmm. somewhere in the city, um, and and if we want to prevent accidents, we can we can try to collect this data, and based on on on, on this data, we can. Uh, share share it with the with the authorities, and they can mm -hmm. look at solving the issue. 
for example. So that's that's another use case. But of course, there, there are plenty of use cases. It's all about how can we gather uh, this this quality of data data um, gathered by by the people. It's like yeah, crowdsourcing, um, and and how can we make the most value out of it? Yeah, and I guess for now you're asking them questions, but in the future that would be like the uh, the bike with like smart tires that would kind of feel when it bumps through, through something or like maybe some yeah, little cameras yeah, course, that would detect yeah. them and it would automatically send you know those signals yeah to because we, we, we even have we even have like uh, another uh, use case um, it was a different project but also about my um, uh, co-developed with my my university and my research institute and what they did they, they built this uh, device connected to the bike um, where where people can say that they're happy or they're not happy about uh, the road quality or something um, mm -hmm. while they're they're cycling um, so that's really it, it really allowed us to to collect a lot of data um, and, and try to identify spots uh, that are safe or unsafe and so on so, so, so like did you actually get a chance to kind of see like, like like the way I kind of see it now is that, for instance, there is like some spot in the city where a lot of cyclists said that, you know, there is some something bad, you know, with the quality yeah, of the yeah. road. And you would like go and check what's what was happening there. Yeah, so you, you can maybe ask uh, the the participants directly why why, mm -hmm. why was it bad or something. Yeah, uh, sure. I think this use case was mainly related again to road quality and potholes and mm -hmm. so on. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah, you you could f the the city authority again could use it to 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 fix the road and, and and come and have a look and see is there really an issue is there really a dangerous situation or something mm -hmm. and uh, and then look to solve it. Uh, but it's it's all POCs, uh, not yeah. I don't think they're using it yet in practice. Yeah, but but I mean, like it's definitely the kind of thing that you can imagine, like a lot of device in a lot of the cities of, you know, of basically future, but it's not like the far away future, but like the 10 year away or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's all something we can do now. We have the technology available at the moment. And, uh... Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know if you kind of heard about it, but if we like had those little buttons in Russia, like there would be a lot of red places here <laughs> where the roads aren't that great. <laughs> it's like, I, <laughs> I mean, the, the climate is tough, so sometimes, yeah, like there, there's quite, quite, <laughs> there's quite a pothole, potholes yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how, how's the weather now where you live? Now, I can actually show you. <laughs> uh, wow. I live like I, I live a bit outside the city, but. I studied in the city, and that's kind of how it's outside my window now. I'll right. tell you the I'll, I'll tell you like the weather. The weather is minus sixteen Celsius right minus now. Minus sixteen! Wow, that's crazy. It's Siberia, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 that's how we roll here. You put up, you put up a bunch of warm clo clothes and hope that you won't freeze to death on your way home. <laughs> how do you do that? What city is it actually where you live? I mean, I'm, you, you mean like uh, with the, all the like temperature stuff? No, I mean, which, which, what's, what's the name of the city? 
Ah, Novosibirsk. It's like the capital of Siberia, basically. Ah, okay. So it's cool, like cool. In, in the heart of it. But like there are in a lot the heart of. of Siberia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, not really though. Like there are a lot uh, colder places uh, in north where, where it's like minus forty-five Celsius in the winter times, and that's like a normal weather. Here it's like minus fifteen, minus twenty-five, and when it's like minus thirty celsius it's like cold and when it's minus 35 <laughs> you may not go to school or you know yeah yeah some something like that it's crazy i think <laughs> I, now it's like five degrees here and, and already for me it's like i want to stay inside and it's, it's way too cold <laughs> oh so it's five negative or the five like uh, just five positive or you know five positive, five positive. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it's warmer but you know the, the summers the summers pretty pretty good here it's uh it's uh, like 20 to 35 degrees you know so it's it's nice here in, in summer times uh, that's, and, uh, that's and, crazy. and you can and you can like explore a lot of you know wildlife i would say with like skiing and so like there is a lot of fun stuff that you can do here in winter time so uh, that's awesome i should come I, one day <laughs> yeah i mean I could like give you a couch, you know. I, mean, like, <laughs> I can let you in into my Siberian. Uh, how do you say that? Like in in my little uh, house, in, the, in in my little cabin in in the forest. That's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you just like stops with like wood and to, to warm up. <laughs> We can we can sit there talk about AI and the Internet of Things. Watch how the bears walk by and the wolves. Like that what a romantic great. picture of the future. Well, actually, I think it's uh, it's Bill Gates. He has like every year he goes to a cabin in the woods for for a single mm. week or two weeks or something, and he he focuses just on studying each year. He's fully isolated from everything. And that makes mm -hmm. him like hyper productive, and he can he can uh, learn new things. He can uh, read a lot of books and things like that. So maybe. walk several hours into the woods there there are really not many people that will disturb you oh i, I wouldn't be so sure about the wildlife but like i mean, I mean although the bears are asleep right they, they they sleep in the winter so it, it's it must be fine yeah, yeah, yeah. but but i also heard about like people i kind of isolating themselves for to learn i think sarash rival uh, mentioned something in his twitter that he like once a week disconnect from the internet I mean, it's not like he goes to a cabin, but like just disconnects and kind of helps yeah. him to be more creative. Creative. Yeah, I so, guess so. I think definitely. I mean, it. Uh, I think we're spoiled eh, with the internet. Always too too many too many ways to get uh, distracted. <laughs> yeah, instant gratification with it. We've we've talked a lot about it with Carlo in, like on the first episode. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's difficult because how how do you main how do you try to be focused in such an environment where you always directly have access to something like yeah. just browsing your Twitter feed or browsing your Facebook? And, uh, like, what I think could be like the ways to do that better in the future? Because it's not really the like, like it's not really the healthiest way for like the human mind to, you know, have all those distractions with like social media and like other things, like. 
maybe it's you kind of ways that that could be done better in the future. Yeah, I think of course you have them, and and I'm definitely not against them because it, it makes hey, it's very easy. For example, uh, you meet interesting people. Yeah, <laughs> like you, for example. Yeah, Twitter, thanks, I man. <laughs> I met it's, Carlos it's, on Twitter. It's um, totally mutual here. Yeah, so so that is of I'm course great. But I think you you really need to be aware of of when you use it and and when you shouldn't be using it. And and that's something that I really try to do. I try to have uh, set hours apart in the day where I can just focus on studying um, and focus on, on on not being distracted and and really say okay from now on to uh, the next hour I will fully focus on on this and. and and I think that that's something that helps you really to to be aware of of it and and, and try to yeah, work on on work on being focused. Um, that, that, that works for me actually pretty well. For how long were you doing that? And you know, do you see like the progress? Is it is it like you know sit down and I mean it's probably still you know takes willpower. Like of course it does. Yeah. But like, do do you see progress with it? And how you yeah, training? Yeah, I think. Right? Um, the long in, in the beginning, I think I started doing it um, since the beginning of this year. Um, I read this this book from Carl Newman. I don't know if you know him. Carl, Carl Newport? Newman, I think. Newman. It's a yeah, he has a book um, called Deep Work. Deep Work. It's it's called Newport, I think. I've I've read his book. Yeah, yeah. I've read I've read his book so good they can ignore you. You, you know that yeah, one. Exactly. also yeah, that's the other yeah one. I really enjoyed that. Okay, yeah, yeah it's really good. I, I haven't read the report, but I I've watched his like interviews, his his talks on that. So okay, uh, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you learn yeah, from so there? It's, it's a really interesting book. I liked it a lot, and, and since then I have trying to uh, to put it into practice. And what in the beginning it was difficult and. I really had to force myself to not using my browser, mm -hmm. for example. There were some add-ons um, which really blocked you from from using your mail, for example, mm -hmm. uh, that I used. Uh, but but over time, it, it gets easier and easier, and you get used to it. If, if you really just have the willpower to do it, it, it gets better. And what I and of course it, it's different for everyone. But what I try to do uh, since a couple of months is when I get up, the first thing I do is start. Uh, studying on a on a certain topic um, for for a single hour. So before I go to work, I just study um, for for an entire hour, and that mm -hmm. that really helps a lot. And and it because you're you're still f very much focused when you get up. You don't mm -hmm. have the distraction, um, and and you can yeah, you can just uh, start working on something without uh, being distracted about about your email or about what was going on on. on Twitter or Facebook. Um, so for me, it, it works because you do it every day, and, and so in a week, it's like seven hours of, of of being fully focused. Well, you progress a lot uh, if you do it like that. Um, yeah, I, I it used to struggle becomes with a it. habit. Sorry. Yeah, it, it it becomes a habit, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it becomes a habit. My my the habit I had before was when I get up. I just kept lying in bed for like 30 minutes, uh, scrolling on my phone, and I'll say, "Just get up, I've been there. get started." <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's it's so much yeah, better now. Uh -huh. Yeah, what 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 helped me is like I've got that alarm, and in order to kind of turn it off, you gotta 
that I take a picture of, and in my case, it's a painting, and the painting is downstairs, so so <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of like I have to get up from my bed, pick up my phone, walk down, downstairs, and <laughs> get a shot of, of the painting, or otherwise it will not stop. Yeah. It's called alarming, yeah. and it really doesn't stop. I mean, sometimes I forget <laughs> to turn it off, or sometimes it's like weekend, I have to like completely uh, turn off my phone if I just can get up in any other ways, but but usually I, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah so, of course, you can still, it, still turn uh -huh. off your phone, yeah. <laughs> if, if the music's nice, though, I can listen to it a couple of times, and then like in five minutes I get bored, <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, okay, now I really better, like, now it's like kind of less boring to like go and wake yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. difficult. I, I now have this app, and it, it monitors my sleep, and mm. uh, tries to wake me when when I'm uh, when when it, it, I'm not in a deep sleep. So mm -hmm. when I'm, it, it tries to predict when I will be in like uh, how do you say the, like REM sleep. Um, so it's easier to wake up then I think, and and it really helps. Mm. Um, so I okay. just say I want to wake up between a quarter to seven and, and uh, half past seven mm -hmm. or something maximum, and then it. It waits until um, it, it's the appropriate time to, to wake me up. That, that helps a lot. It's better than just fixed timestamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've read about it. Yeah, about the like RIM sleep and like when it's better to wake up in the sleep cycles. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually related to the Internet of Things uh, in some ways, right? Like the smart beds would wake you. I mean, <laughs> how does that, like, how yeah. does that up work? Is it like. Uh, is it like on your phone or is it like yeah, it's clock? just on my phone, it's an application and I think it, it monitors my sleep quality using audio. It's just, a, it's a microphone or something and apparently it, mm -hmm. it, it's good enough to, to get an accurate view of, of, uh, of my, what, what sleep stage I'm in. And, and like, how does it work? Is it uh, like, is it like listening to your kind of, you know, I don't know how to say it in English, but like, yeah. doing yeah, this exactly. in your bed. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think it's like that. So when you move, um, it will hear it. Um, and, and and it seems pretty accurate. I have it here. I can show you maybe. Um, yeah. Each, so. I always, I get an, an overview each day of, um, of how I'm doing. So sleep cycle, that's the name of the application I'm using. For example. <laughs> It shows okay. the waves like this, and uh, at the bottom it's like deep sleep, and at the top it's like uh, mm -hmm. almost awake. Um, mm -hmm. so, and yeah, and it's, basically it's really tries to, to wake you up in like those times. Yeah, when... Yeah, in, in, when, when, when I'm almost asleep, then it's, it tries to wake me up. When I'm in a deep sleep, it just uh, mm -hmm. probably will, will let me sleep for uh, another 10 minutes or something. And, and like, uh, how accurate do you feel there is like, does it work most of the times or does it like, yeah, you know, well, not? <laughs> actually, it, it works very well. I, I'm surprised myself. For example, this morning I woke up, I thought I, I, I had a good good night's sleep, um, but I felt like really tired and I thought, wow, wow, there's something wrong. So I looked at the app and I saw, I, I get a score, it's like you each day you get a score between 0 and 100. 100 is very good, 0 is very bad. And mm -hmm. I had a score of about like 59, 59% or something. So quite bad actually. Um, and, and yeah, that, that's how I felt as well. So uh, it, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
59%, yeah. Yeah, I can really recommend it. It's quite good. Yeah. I mean, is it is it is it on Android? That, yeah, yeah works with on Android. Ah. It goes on, on yeah, all the app stores. And what I also like is they have this feature that you just track. Um, you 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 say, for example, that I I I I drink I drank alcohol last night. You do it each time before before you go to bed. You say you fill in your log. For example, I. I uh, I had alcohol, um, or I didn't eat very very well, or I eat too much, or something like that, or I did sports, and then it's gonna try to predict based on on what mm. you did the day before how you're gonna sleep, um, and it's gonna gonna really get get the correlation between the quality of your sleep and, and what you did. For when I drink alcohol, my my sleep is much worse. Um, and when I when I do sports, mm -hmm. it's it's better. The quality of my sleep is better, so it helps you to to really see what works for you to to sleep better. Pretty cool. Okay, I mean, I th I mean, I'm actually gonna like write it down so I can. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 not that I'm gonna like forget the name. It's that I can just not think about it. And remember that after sleep sleep cycle, right? Yeah, sleep cycle. Yeah, I think I think I could create like some weird combination with my with my like photo alarm. So it's like I don't know if I want to wake up at eight a.m. I will like say, uh, let's have that app try to wake me up at a good time. And if it's like, and if uh, and if I don't know if I refuse to wake up, then like there goes like the hard stuff on the photo alarm <laughs> pops up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wakes me yeah. up either way. You can combine the two. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so are you doing some studies with other like elements of like smart home? Because that's uh, it's pretty, you know, pretty hot, I guess, topic these days. Smart home. Yeah, like I don't know some yeah, smart. Yeah, well, I, I try to connect like my entire house with, with smart lightning uh, mm -hmm. movement sensors and things like that. Um, but there's, I, I I put a lot of work in in setting up such a system. But there's always a, a, a very major risk factor, and mm -hmm. in my case, it's uh, the wife factor, because <laughs> they go, they actually they, they have a name for it. It's like the wife approvance, approval rate, <laughs> something like that, because you, you install all these systems and then you need to tell your wife, okay, so now uh, you need to use this and don't use that button to turn off the light because then I can't turn it on again with my application or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, that's difficult because, uh, for example, the, the light I'm using, they're still connected to the, to the main switch I have. And I can turn them turn them off with my application and with my system, but mm -hmm. of course, if my wife turns off um, turns off the light with the main switch, I can't turn it on again with uh, with my application. So I had to tell her, don't use the main switch. And of course, that that doesn't work. <laughs> you need another smart device to control your wife. You know, messing with the switches. Yeah. You need more. When you get a problem, you gotta you gotta get a new uh, new smart home device, uh, <laughs> like like some some robotic hand that will you know will will catch her and like put her hand on another switch or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe we need, that's we need that's more complexity. <laughs> maybe we need to think and, about and, that. And, yeah. and, 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 and use fifteen neural networks there. 
15, and use like 15 neural networks there, you know, that, that, that's like uh, really computationally expensive. Yeah, track her emotions, her her face, her, her like the live, liveliness of like her face, that it's like real, that it's not a recording or something. <laughs> then like the, I don't know, like what, what else can you do? Like her, I don't know, clothes, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but but yeah, more neural numbers. Over engineer everything. Yes, like that—that's how we make progress. <laughs> we, we we just build up more complexity. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, what I did, I bought a Wi-Fi switch, and I told her to use a Wi-Fi switch because then it will send the Wi-Fi switch will just connect to my API and use the API to turn off the light. Uh, so now I have like four switches <laughs> for a single light, I think. <laughs> So so when, well. so when you kind of use it so, so that you can, I guess, uh, turn on and off your lights like from your phone and also there are some motion trackers you've mentioned, right? Yeah, yeah. I use motion trackers. I use um, yeah my phone. I also have an Alexa integration, mm -hmm. um, the Amazon Alexa, uh, things like that. I, I, I really like it, but um, yeah, the, the usability should be improved. In order for mm -hmm. my wife to use it as well. And what if, like, you use trackers and then you like read a book and you stay like in the same in the same pose for like a long time? Do lights go out? Do they like go black or? Uh, you mean like to, to track your location within your house? I, I mean, I mean, like the way I, I'm kind of you know seeing that is you have motion trackers that track your movement, and when you kind of move around your house. Lights are on, and when you don't, they're they 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 are off. Yeah, exactly. But of course, I don't have it everywhere because in the okay. living, I don't want it to turn off when I'm just sitting and and not moving. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, so here I don't use motion in the living. I don't use motion trackers. Mm -hmm. Only like when you go to the toilet, you go to the uh, to my to my um, uh, storage room and so on. Uh, that's all fully automated by motion tracking but maybe i was yeah. thinking I, I can use some infrared sensors uh, to see if, if someone is present so instead of looking at motion just looking at presence uh, that might I, I, that might work i've been playing around with object detectors you can get get a gpu <laughs> in in and put a camera and press the frames in real time and then, then see if uh, it detects uh, people in, in the in the frame Think about That's it. A good idea. You need neural networks. Go, go complex. Don't, don't go with just. But again, but again, also there you can. Uh, you need a camera in your living room. Yeah. And I tried it before, but my wife she didn't like it because she felt <laughs> I was always watching her when she was in the living and I was at work or something. So yeah, she she uh, she took them away. <laughs> well. Again, the, the the biggest complexity in IoT systems in home IoT system is really the the wife approve, approval rate. Yeah, <laughs> the war factor. <laughs> yeah, w w once that's once like that's taken care of, like then you know, then we go <laughs> to the exactly. next IoT yeah. level. The, yeah, <laughs> I a get that level of innovation. Once you you reach that uh, goal. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, like literally n next week, humans are landing on on Mars and like on <laughs> uh, what Mars? On 
on Pluto. Yeah, and put all smart devices like all over the solar systems that now we can know when when it's like hotter than usual on Jupiter and when the rings start to rotate <laughs> a little faster on Saturn. Yeah. That's exactly. that's a, a lot of useful information there. But yeah. first solve the wife factor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and what do you think about like privacy when it comes to the Internet of Things? Because like it's a huge factor in the wife approval thingy, but like it's also kind of it's kind of what concerns people. Yeah, but, yeah, I hear that a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. It's 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 difficult um, because we we now we have in Europe this very let's say tough uh, le legislation with regards to uh, privacy. It's called the GDPR law. Um, which is pretty cool because they're doing a lot for our privacy. Uh, but what I feel, it, I think it's now been put into place since a couple of months. And, and what happens is that now just every website um, that we visit just has a pop-up that says, if you want to visit, if you want to look mm -hmm. at the content of this website, you first need to approve that we store your personal information, that we track, uh, <coughs> that we track you using cookies or something. Yeah, and I see those. Everyone oh, just approves <clears throat> eh? and, and they want the content, they want this instant reward, <clears throat> so they just ignore their privacy and, uh, and, and, and approve. So it's, it's a very tough, tough uh, thing to solve, I think, and, and um, uh, definitely with, with regards to IoT. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I don't have an answer to that. It, it's a difficult, it's really difficult. For example, what I saw with... Um, with the camera that I bought for for uh, that I had here in the living room, the one I just yeah. talked talk to you about, yeah. uh, that one, um, I bought it from a Chinese web store, um, and we went, after installing it, I looked at my network configuration, and I saw that uh, that the camera automatically opened like 100 ports on my router. And was mm -hmm. sending information out, outside of my uh, my home network, so probably to their servers or something. Um, they it, even even um, the, the 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 security, the protection um, to use my camera feed was what it, it was very easy to get in. It was like default um, admin password, admin admin uh, mm -hmm. uh, password and username. So anyone could could actually just look at my living from from anywhere, and that, that's really frightening mm -hmm. me. And and I I don't know how to solve it. You, you probably mm -hmm. the companies need to be responsible. Uh, you you yourself need to be responsible at some part. You really need to be aware of of what data you're sharing. Um, it's a difficult question. Yeah, I've 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 read the book. It was called Big Data some some while ago, maybe like half a year. And they were saying that the, I mean, they were saying basically two things. And the first one was that privacy will kind of, kind of like go away. I mean, it's not like, it's not, it's not the, I mean, it'll just be kind of much harder. And it already is much harder to stay, you know, just super private because you yeah, live yeah. The, the data all over the place. And they were like giving some examples that, there were some data sets or something like that, not, not open public, even commercial or something, but they were made public and you could basically track the people down from those data sets. Maybe not all of them, maybe it's like some of them by knowing some criteria from their probably comparing to other 
place place where you could get the info. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the second thing that they were saying that there will be like some some new emergent sort of like lawyer professions, sort of like lawyers who also also you know dig in uh, in big in like data science and AI and technology. Yeah, that, that will kind of help help both the businesses to not violate uh, the privacy and like stay out of trouble and help customers to kind of protect yeah, their privacy. Exactly. And, and that's what you see here in Belgium. Uh, there are a lot of law firms really mm-hmm. uh, jumping on, on that and trying to, uh, let's say, yeah, uh, specialize in, in, in privacy and so on. And, and that's a good thing, of course, because since we have this European legislation, privacy legislation in, pra- in place, um, a lot of companies have questions and they actually don't know what they need to do in order to guarantee the, the privacy of their, their customers. Um, and, 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 and lawyers are, are, are helping them, for example, with, uh, with, mm-hmm. with looking at what measures they need to uh, put in place, um, how they need to protect the data of their customers, uh, like um, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I guess it's not it's not like really your main area of expertise and you more like on the technical side of actually making it possible first so that we can, you know, even really, I don't know, try to solve it then. Yeah, exactly. You, you need to pick your battles and my battle is... Technology. Yeah, I'm yes, yes. One. And uh, privacy, privacy is, is, is a way other battle and a big one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it m- m- makes sense. I mean, so, and another thing that I've uh, spotted while like reading your paper that you were using a lot of simulations to, um, and yeah. just and just to be like honest, I didn't read them like cover to cover. I re- I read the abstracts and kind of you know try to understand what was going on there. Just to be clear, I'm not like imposing that. I went yeah. and read the uh, eight papers overnight. <laughs> Yeah, so you were doing a lot of uh, simulations to kind of predict how would IoT systems, how would they function on like a bigger scale, yeah? Yeah, exactly, because that's a problem if you want to test decentralized uh, IoT systems and and give them adaptive behavior Mm -hmm. at a larger scale. It is, of course, very hard to, to deploy these systems um yourself it will be yeah you need thousands of, of devices connected to mm. each other if you do this in, in in a real life environment it will cost you a lot of money and and you're you're just trying to to test an algorithm for example uh, you, you don't have a, a proper use case probably you're just trying to see what can i do uh, how can i optimize traffic flow how can i uh, build an algorithm to um let's devices connect with each other talk to each other um so of course a simulation environment is is much easier mm-hmm. um and and that's what that's what i'm i'm looking at, at looking how can we use simulation to to test mm-hmm. and calibrate uh, uh, various algorithms that that we can develop on top of iot envi- uh, on top of iot systems uh, and what like happens inside of the simulation? Like, could you I mean, maybe give an example of an algorithm, and then how simulation goes about, you know, trying to see how that would work? Yeah. So the example I I always give, and and it's probably an easy one, is again mm-hmm. the one with the with the traffic use mm-hmm. case, where we have smart traffic lights um, that can uh, that that really have the ability have the ability to sense 
the traffic, the direct, the local traffic in front of them. Um, and on the other hand, we have um, we have this the traffic itself um, in the city. And and if we want to optimize traffic flow by using these smart traffic lights, um, we will need a, a simulated environment where we try to simulate actual traffic in a city context and then deploy these virtual smart traffic lights um, in this simulated environment and, and see how they can uh, they can cooperate. Uh, so we're seeing how we can deploy algorithms on top of these uh, on these uh, okay. smart traffic lights to see is the traffic actually actually going is the traffic flow actually improving. Uh, so that's that's an example I always use, and I think so. So it's kind of like somebody like walks in the room and says like, like, hey, I've just invented the invented the like genius algorithm to do the you know IoT traffic lights that will like that will you know help help the traffic move faster and like save time, and then I mean of course you can can just go and like put it on the street for a day like let's see like maybe if there if there's like less than ten accidents that'll happen like that's safe and like if there's like more than twelve yeah like we'll put it off for later and that's yeah, kind of yeah. where you, where where you come into the game and help kind of simulate yeah exactly yeah. And, and, and of course. Uh -huh. We're, we're, I'm also involved partly in, in, in we're setting up a research trajectory where we look at um, how can we train these algorithms automatically mm -hmm. and then we're looking at uh, multi-agent reinforcement learning mm -hmm. uh, where we consider the, 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 the IoT environment mm -hmm. to be uh, a partially observable uh, environment and, and try to act on that and, and, and really there the, the smart traffic lights are agents. And we try to look at how can we uh, teach these agents to automatically work together by sensing the the, the, the traffic they, they can observe. Um, so that's that's so, another uh -huh. use case we're trying to build. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's very difficult because, of course, reinforcement learning itself is mm -hmm. already difficult. Um, and, and, and we try to, and, and even in, in, in these really, let's say, easy environments, um, it's already hard to, to build a, a very well-performing algorithm, um, and, and now we, we want to deploy this into a into a very difficult, non-deterministic environment where where um, where you can where you need a model of the environment at, at all time in order to to uh, to really do some take some useful actions. So with reinforcement learning, I mean, when I kind of think about it, it's like solving video games. Uh, no, I mean solving like video games like the AlphaGo and Dota 2 yeah, from yeah, yeah. OpenAI. And then in this case, the game, the environment is your simulation of traffic and the agents are traffic lights. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And and those agents, is it like deep reinforcement learning or what is that? Yeah, the, well. I, I there is this what we're looking at in, in this context is not only to fully solve the problem because it's a very hard one yeah um, it again every agent every traffic light only can only observe part of the of the environment so it, it doesn't have all the information 
and also the rewards are, are sparse. You don't have a direct mm -hmm. reward that you have in a video game, for example. So it's really, really complex. And on the other hand, we want these agents, these traffic lights, uh, to, to work together and, and interact mm -hmm. with each other in order to solve it. And there are all these kind of techniques like deep queue learning and, and, and mm -hmm. so on. Um, but for now, we're, we're trying to just start with a very basic example and, and look at how can we uh, just make it possible that these agents uh, that these agents interact with each other and communicate with each other. And that already is, is very difficult. So we have this big vision um, mm -hmm. going towards the future where we can maybe solve such a system using a reinforcement learning. Um, but we, we want to go there step by step. And, and now a colleague of mine is really looking at, at how can we use communication um, to, to, uh, mm -hmm. to improve uh, a global reward. And, and in, in this use case, the global reward would be uh, traffic throughput in a city. So, and, and that's, that's, I think, where, where uh, Internet of Things and, and AI can really come together. Of mm -hmm. course, you ha already have a lot of AI in the context of Internet of Things, but then mainly mainly related to data processing and 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 trying to um, act based on predictions. Um, but now I think we can really look at an, an IoT system as an a complex environment and and um, and look at IoT devices itself as smart agents. And if we bring this, all of this together we can maybe optimize global emergent behavior. And that's really a big vision. I think that the big vision that we have in our research group, um, and, and we're trying to, to see how, uh, how far we can get there. But it's difficult. It's a lot of, a lot yeah. of work we still need to do. It's, it's very interesting, of course. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and what makes it difficult? Because I may mean, like think think of like if you think like a lot of cars you can like predict how ex exactly they'll move and like a lot of traffic lights like weather and all those factors. But what makes it difficult? You know. Well, there there's a lot of things we still need to solve. Like mm -hmm. like I said, we need to have we need to allow agents to communicate with each other and collaborate with each other to to solve a single goal that already is very difficult um, mm -hmm. then uh, we, we need these agents to be able to observe an environment that is not fully predictable and really build an internal model um, of this environment um, but of course the agent also needs some intuition of 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 how this environment might involve what are the physics of the environment um, and, and again, it, it's it's only every agent only has a part of the entire picture. It, it, an, mm -hmm. an agent will never have the full information of the entire environment, and they need to communicate with each other in order to share uh, information. And, and that that's really very very difficult, I mm -hmm. think. Um, um, so so we we will see how far we get with it. But um, um, the, all the challenges I just said, they're they're their state-of-the-art research and I think DeepMind mm -hmm. um, published a very interesting paper with regards to communicating and and, uh, and, and reinforcement learning. And it, it, there, there is some progress, but it, it's mainly on, on small, uh, mm -hmm. small uh, use cases, not very complex environments. And I think 
this is really the big goal to go towards a system that com can combine all these mm -hmm. challenges together and, and maybe then we can we can solve it uh, but we're not there yet so we need to mm -hmm. see uh, again pick your battles and and yeah there we have the communication battle we have the partially observable battle we have uh, how how are you going to formulate a reward um, how are you how will the agents be able to um, have a have an internal model of the environment and uh, so it, it's it's very interesting and and, and uh, i like it and again um that's 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 why we need simulation as well to see to test mm -hmm. and 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 simulate what, what is possible before we move to an actual real-world environment. Yeah, I think what may be encouraging, because while you were talking, it, it really reminded me, um, have you followed OpenAI and their, like, Dora 2.5? The... Yeah, yeah, I, I heard about it. I Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. I actually, actually used to play Dora, like, something like two years ago. So, so it kind of really, really caught my eye. And all the things that you've mentioned, like the limited information and like the teamwork and the complexities, like yeah, yeah, it, it, they all are you know a really huge part of the game. You're like you don't know what's going on there. You may not like see where your enemies are. You may not know like there are so many like spells and items and like exactly. so many directions you can go in. So and but they. I think with OpenAI, they already had the full information of the game. Eh? They like cheated a little. I think they already had okay. a, an, an entire... I, I'm not sure. Um, so I don't know if you uh -huh. know, but I thought that they already knew where the enemies were located and so on. But then no. still, they uh -huh. need to collaborate. Uh -huh. and... um, I actually don't... I, I, don't, I don't think they should have. I mean... In the training, I guess they simulated to run a bunch of games, but like the way it, the way Dora works is that you can you see where your teammates are and you know where your teammates are, but you can only see your enemies if they're in your in your kind of circle of vision if they're close to you, if you can like see them. And if they're like yeah, on yeah. the other part of the map, you, you can cannot just see them. Um, yeah, I'm not one hundred percent sure, but of course, mm -hmm. if if they already are able to do to 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 get proper results mm -hmm. um, while they're using the full information of, of the game, then already I think it's an incredible achievement because they need five agents that, that no, work together. I, and no, I, I, I actually think I actually think they weren't using the I actually think they were using like the human level information. I think there's like a bot API of of from Valve that kind of tells the bots, but but they they shouldn't they should not have known more than a regular player would have known plus they had like restriction that you that the bots weren't allowed to use um illusions or you know replicas it's like when there is multiple characters that you control like say not, not yeah. one hero but like five and it would it would have been unfair because a computer may just you know play five characters like really easily and for a human player it's not possible and with that information true, they were they, they were able to like give a really really good fight to the pro teams yeah they they were actually crushing their opponents up to the international like the biggest championship of oh. dora yeah and then then they really yeah. yeah and then they were playing against the pro teams and the average dora uh, span of the game is like 45 minutes and 
almost all of the games against bots were 60 minutes and bots lost eventually but like that was interesting i i, I haven't followed dora like for two years and was like over it but I got you know excited to see that, yeah, and yeah. and yeah, and, and if like that kind of progress is possible, it it you know gives a lot, a lot of encouragement. I think that's a part of o- openly a mission to kind of not not just solve video games, but kind of learn the techniques that it takes to create something that can operate with all those complexities and the limited information, yeah. and then kind of translate that, you know, then put that into some real world. Uses. Yeah, because I think video games are are great to do that. Eh? They 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 can easily go from fully observable environments mm-hmm. with a very direct reward, and mm-hmm. and try to increase the complexity, go to more complex environments like, uh, let's say AlphaGo or mm-hmm. uh, Dota. Um, yeah, and 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 if if we if we go to a situation where our where where the algorithms are performing well in these very complex complex game environments, probably they will also be able to do that in a, in a real world uh, environment. Um, yeah, and, and it's easy. It's it's very easy to test in in, in these games. Um, there there are simulations and, and mm-hmm. yeah, you have a direct yeah. feedback available. And I wonder what what happens with traffic like in your simulations like. What are the like parameters? Like, what's how, how could you like try to visualize that maybe or like paint a picture of it? Um, so you mean what per, of of the traffic behavior? Yeah, or, yeah, of the traffic. Let's say, yeah. For yeah. Example, so that. again, there we 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 use very basic traffic uh, behavior. So we, I'm 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 looking at making it more complex, but we have a distribution of of speeds. Let's say mm-hmm. where we try to. Uh, based on this distribution, uh, these cars will drive around. Um, they will try to avoid colliding. Of course, they will stop for the traffic light. Um, and and it it depends. You have areas where people will drive faster, areas where will be, where mm-hmm. where they will drive slower. Um, but it's it's not our goal to to go towards a fully realistic micro traffic simulation because there's a lot of re, uh, research yeah. already, and there are a lot of uh, simulators available. Um, but really, it's, it's our goal to 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 look at how can we uh, facilitate the simulation of these virtual cars at a very large scale. So how can we look at simulating instead of one thousand cars, maybe one hundred thousand cars mm-hmm. um, at the same time? Um, and 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 that's the main challenge I'm I'm looking at right now. And we use there um, various techniques um, to 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 really come towards realistic behavior, but also taking the compu- uh, the computational complexity into account. So it's a trade-off between optimizing for scale and optimizing for uh, accuracy. Yeah, actually, I like the way you respond to question because I was like, I was going to ask how computationally expensive, like the whole operation is and how you compromise that. And like you went on and <laughs> answered that so <laughs> so so yeah. now I don't so now I don't have a question yet <laughs> but I'll have one I'll have one in two seconds <laughs> yeah and uh, okay that was three fine but uh, and how, how do the cars behave I guess like do you program so I mean does the car just go in a straight line and then there are like other cars you know kind of after it yeah and- so 
well, what I did, I parsed uh, OpenStreetMap. Uh, you know mm. OpenStreetMap? It's like uh, an open source uh, street data, and they have like all the geometric data of streets. And I use that, and then I interpolate um, between the various coordinates on these uh, streets, and then I let the cars just drive on it, give, uh, given a certain speed. Uh, they can observe the agents that are nearby, um, and and there are various ways to simulate them. Eh? You can you can just let them drive around and update each mm -hmm. uh, at, at a fixed time step interval. You can update the position, like for example, twenty times per second or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other hand, you can there are other simulation formalisms where you instead try to look at okay, I'm I'm now at this location. I'm driving at an average speed of 50 kilo kilometers per hour. Um, I will uh, I will end end up um, at another location in about 20 seconds or something. Um, and instead of updating the position of the car every time, it will just update the position when he arrives at the next destination. Mm -hmm. uh, that's another way, and and that will be much less computationally ex, uh, expensive and we're trying to dynam dynamically switch between these formalisms um, to dynamically optimize uh, the computational cost of the entire simulation um, but uh, so and, and, and like and like what kind of a machine that is, does it take to run the simulation now like what um, uh -huh. so we we look at I, I currently i think i'm able to run like thirty thousand. um uh, agents on a single PC, like a, a regular um, desktop PC. Okay, uh, so, sorry, how many? Uh, 30,000. 30,000, 30, yeah. 30, on, on, yeah. Ah, 30, okay. 30, yeah. Uh, uh -huh. uh, but that's on a single machine in a time tapped fashion where you just update every 20 mm -hmm. times per second so we can, I can run 30,000 at the same time. Um, but we're looking at at um, we're now I'm now building a, a distributed simulator, so using uh, multiple uh, cloud nodes at once to simulate uh, a single simulation, um, and 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 then we can probably scale up to over one hundred thousand, uh, maybe more. Mm -hmm. um, but again, of course, it depends on what accuracy that you need, because if if you if you don't need a lot of accuracy, you can easily scale scale up. Um, to, to, to maybe one billion or two million devices. It, it all depends on, on how accurate you want to simulate. Uh, you probably can aggregate some, some areas instead of simulating uh, the, the position of the car at, at every time step. Maybe we just say we have on average uh, 100 cars coming in each hour and 200 cars co uh, going out of the area. So we're also looking at um, how can we uh, combine time step simulation uh, with uh, with a, a more abstract representation of, of uh, the simulation and then you can mm -hmm. just using statistics you can try to predict uh, accurate behavior accurate car driving behavior in mm -hmm. a given area uh, so that's and so and so you can all and you can also try to evaluate the performance of various. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because algorithms. you will lose accuracy then. Eh? And, and, and I wonder, like, like if the algorithm isn't good, like what happens? Like, do cars start bumping into each other, or like, I mean, <laughs> kind of virtually, or like what happens? Yeah, I had some times that I, <laughs> I generated too much traffic in the city, 
and I, I had a deadlock. So all cars were just stuck in, in the city and, and nothing was moving. <laughs> ah, so, so it's like there's like nowhere to go and like all the all the space is filled up with cars. All the space was filled up, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's time to go in the third dimension, cars. It's time to like build a ladder out of cars for them to like st start yeah. evolving in their, you know, car I world. I can include that in the future. Yeah, it could be fun <laughs> yeah. to see what they do. And like br they break out of the simulation and take over the human world. <laughs> yeah. If we, if we uh, believe Elon Musk, then uh, then yeah, terrible, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they will they will become intelligent inside of my simulation and. <laughs> Yeah, those cars will not be happy. <laughs> You've put them in that environment. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> but yeah. if they come to the real, uh, the, the real world, there's also a lot of traffic in my city. So actually, it's <laughs> a, a very realistic representation. <laughs> so, so they'll be like, okay, like at least, at least that guy was kind of telling us the truth about the world. <laughs> it isn't much better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Question, by the way. Well, like about Elon Elon Musk and have you seen the demo of the boring company they've opened the first uh, tunnel? Uh, not yet. I, I heard about it that they opened a tunnel or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can show you my my screen. Okay, cool. Ah, here I was googling what POC meant. <laughs> I didn't know what POC meant. I was like, what? Okay, so yeah, weird. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have closed that tab, yeah. but like, who cares? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I've watched the YouTube video and yeah, I mean, I think they went like 110 miles underground. Yeah, and how, how do what? you think? Uh, they were, I, th I think the car, yeah, that's the tunnel. And and it, it yeah, was like, yeah. it was like there's the tunnel and the car you know, comes in and then Elon Musk walks yeah, out of yeah, the yeah. with, with, you know, some guy and started telling the presentations. And, 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 like, from your experience with traffic, how, you know, what do you think about the transportation going, like, 3D? And, yeah, like, I think it's, I, of course, I'm not a traffic expert. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just built simulators, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think it's 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 an incredible idea. I remember seeing the tweet of Elon like one year ago or something that he said, "I'm I'm bored of of being stuck in traffic here in LA. Let's build a tunnel." And yeah. he's actually doing it. So I I I wonder how it will work. I wonder if it if it's practical because I guess it will cost a lot of money. Um, but I guess they have uh, have proper equipment equipment to build these tunnels. Given the fact that he's doing a lot of work with uh, uh, with the other with the train tunnel thing, uh, the, the the magnetic train. Uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's kind of how. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you, you mean like the, you mean like the kind of train that they have in China when like or or like the hyperloop? You mean like the hyperloop? The hyperloop, hyperloop, the hyperloop. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that the one, the yeah. vacuum tube that transports you like in some crazy speeds. Can you see the yeah, video? Yeah. Sorry? Uh, can you see the video? Yeah, I can see it. I can yeah, see it. good. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, and I think they're actually trying to make tunnels cheaper. So, and they're trying to beat the snail. I don't know if you kind of heard about it. They, they, they have like a snail uh, 
in in the Baron Company. And by the way, like it's it's a cool name. <laughs> it's a funny yeah. name. Yeah, yeah they, they have like a snail. I think it's like the sixth snail. Uh, Elon mentioned in the presentation, because uh, like snails don't live that long, so it's kind of like the sixth snail. <laughs> it's named Gary, and they're basically trying to be able to tunnel to dig to bore tunnels faster than a snail can walk. And right now they're ah, right now okay. the, yeah, the yeah. state of the art technology is like 14 times slower. Oh, and that wow. and I think that and I think oh oh um this thing I think is the tower that was built out of the dirt bricks. They kind of dig wow, the tunnels they, out of the dirt that they dig up. Yeah, uh, they they. It's cool. Yeah, I was watching the presentation, so so they take the dirt out of the tunnel, they press it to form bricks, and they've built the tower. And I think they're gonna sell it. And they've mentioned that it may even like cover all the costs. And I think what was cool, they also said that if someone like needs bricks and they're in you know some condition. Something like in need, they can just giving them the bricks for free. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think I think that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really wonder if they can make it uh, make it cheap to to dig these tunnels because, of course, that will be the main challenge. Yeah, it's it's probably still will be like more expensive than than just walk. <laughs> I mean, of course, but yeah. I, I mean, I think they can drive costs down. I think that. I think that Elon and his team, they like, they, they're they smart and they work like crazy, so I don't know, after all the stuff that we've seen from them, I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, and I don't know like if it's a good or a bad thing, because you kind of get used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, I thought it was crazy at first, but they did it. Yeah, and they sold those flamethrowers. <laughs> I saw, but you can only buy them, I think, if you live in the US, because otherwise it was only seven seven hundred dollars or something. Yeah, that was expensive. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think that the funny thing that you can't legally ship flamethrowers to other countries, so they named them like this. They are not a flame uh, flamethrower. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, look at that. Not, not a, a flamethrower. <laughs> You can like go buy another flamethrower. You 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 can ship not a flamethrower. It's That's crazy. Legal. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so and I not think. Flamethrower. Yeah. Yeah. I so think this is like really working. Um, I don't think it's like the the military kind of flamethrower. Yeah. But. I guess so. <laughs> but the, I think it does. <laughs> I think you can like make fire with it. Yeah. Just here's some videos. Um, I think they raised like a million dollar selling the burning company hats, and then they raised like ten million dollars selling the flamethrowers. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's super exciting to see what they're doing with transportation. You can, you <laughs> oh, can bake meat that. with it. <laughs> That's a use case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's in Siberia, in Siberia that would be useful. You kind of go home, like in your long walk in the cold winter, and you like, and you like get hungry. <laughs> so you just get the piece of meat out of your pocket and just start 
frying it just on the goal <laughs> with the flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, it's... I've listened to the interview of Musk on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he said, like, it wasn't that more complex than, you know, just the, whatever that thing is called in English, where you just have a, have, like, the gas in the, in, in the cannon that kind of just, you know, spits yeah. fire, I don't know what it's called, but, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah, definitely. And, it's and, it's and, smart. It's it's like yeah. He, he probably got the attention he wanted. And, yeah. Uh, and actually, how much money did they did they collect with it? I think ten million dollars from playing pro. Yeah, well. Yeah. And I mean, from... yeah, and, and that wouldn't be and that would be just just hype and like uh, nothing, but they actually built tunnels, <laughs> so it's like triple cool. Yeah. Um, Let's let so <laughs> it's actually funny. The name is funny, like the boring company, but it turns out to not be boring. But they are boring towns, but they are not boring. <laughs> Those things. Oh. <laughs> the boring company. Yeah. So okay, I'll cut the screen share now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so cool. yeah, I I, I I like following those guys. Like the people that work real hard, yeah. So, what are like the other things that you know excite you when it comes to I don't know life, what you're doing? Um, well, I I just like beer. <laughs> okay. I, was, I was thinking aside aside from, um, from AI and programming and these things, yeah, I like to go to bars and, and just have Belgian beer. I don't know sure. if you know Belgian beer, but that's what yeah, I've, for, I've, so. I've, I've actually heard maybe on some yeah? YouTube videos about Belgian beer. Oh, I think I've listened to, I think that was the, have you heard about the how I built this podcast with Guy Ras? It's, uh, no, it's, it's the same guy that, that does TED, Ra TED Radio Hour. Have you heard about that podcast? Uh, no, no, it doesn't ring a bell. Ah, anyway, and there was like some... American beer brewing company, you know, founder, and he said right. that he got inspired from Belgian beer and started brewing that in the U.S. And yeah, and then so yeah, Belgian beers. That's what I heard him, and then kind of the whole thing took off, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Belgian beers. It's uh, it seems to be a big brand in the U.S. as well, uh, mainly because now they have all these like small brewing companies, um, mm. and and. Yeah, we have tons of beers here in Belgium, um, all local, locally brewed, and yeah, just it's it's, it's cool. I like it. <laughs> yeah, actually, my my promoter he he has its own like small brewery, and and he he makes his own beer. Now he now he has a second daughter, and he will have a a special daughter beer. For a, uh, sorry, what what beer? As for his, he he will have a second daughter, I think. Um, his wife is pregnant, okay. and to celebrate it, he's now brewing a beer, a daughter beer. So to celebrate the birth okay. of his uh, upcoming daughter. <laughs> is it like is, is it like a common thing in Belgium to brew beer? Well, actually, I know quite a lot of people that <laughs> beer, so it seems so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in Russia, just. Uh, 
just kind of <laughs> watching my father maybe a bit and uh, something like that. People aren't brewing beer, but they're brewing something that's called in Russian samogonka. And that's oh basically <laughs> it's basically it's basically what you brew that's not beer, but it's 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 not it's not even anything, but it's like it has alcohol you can drink it. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what I heard of. Yeah, uh, I guess depending on your still you can make it not I've n- I've never actually like tasted that thing, but I really uh, yeah, and it is it, it is like beer or is it more like vodka or something? I think it's, I think it's, I think it's more like like some substance that just has alcohol in it, and the person yeah. that has alcohol in it, it works, so people yeah. do that. I mean, I mean, probably you can make something good out of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like way. <laughs> I don't know if I I don't know if I could like Google the definition of that in Wikipedia. Okay, I'll Google the Russian definition. Oh, I mean, there's actually the the English one. So let me just let me just show you. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's like the Russian thing and it's like the A side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, heard about it? it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, people brew it themselves. Look at this guy, he's so happy. <laughs> Boonshine, yeah, it's like really strong liquor. Yeah. Braga is Braga. Is it, isn't it similar to vodka? Like vodka that you just brew on your own? I I don't honestly know, but I guess it's I mean it's, it's written here that it's a uh, high alcohol you know, it's got a lot of alcohol drink. It's made it's made in the home conditions. Uh yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it comes like from from like the Soviet Soviet Union. You probably couldn't have bought buy much drinks. Although I guess you could, but it was expensive or something. People were just, uh, just you yeah. know, were just hustling and <laughs> doing do, do the best they could. Yeah, and still do. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I'm I'm. I'm I'm actually 17 and I'm below the even the like I'm gonna be 18 soon, but like I'm below the drinking age even here. <laughs> so what is the drinking age in, in Russia? 18, but 18. I mean I mean it's 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 more like it's more like 12 if you really wanna. <laughs> I, mean, I mean of course not, but like, I mean I mean it's 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 I mean. Yeah, I mean the legal one is eighteen, and I I'm not a like huge fan of drinking, especially like below the legal age. But but it's right. it's more like it's more like I know people who who don't have problem getting drinks, uh, and I mean, I mean I tried some you know non heavy stuff, but it's it's I mean like you won't go to jail if you. It's more. It's more like it's 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 possible to get drinks here below the legal age, I guess, just like in any other part of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess in the US they're quite strict on on drinking age, stricter than in Europe at least, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, about Russia. Here the drinking yeah. age is. It's I guess it's sixteen or something. So mm-hmm. if you come to Belgium, it, you can already. It's drink sixteen a beer. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I didn't know that. But 
is it is it the same is it the same in germany or another yeah European? i think in germany it's, it's also 16. for for the beers eh? if you want to if you want to have liquors then then i think you need to be 18. i'm gonna google that it's so crazy drinking age i'm gonna show you the screen so that <laughs> you aren't bored with me typing oh yeah that's actually 16. And I mean, and, and Russian is yeah, it's a... sixteen. Yeah, but in Germany it's sixteen. Oh, I mean that's quite crazy. Eh? Uh, but but I mean they, they they wouldn't sell you like the heavy stuff. It's more like beer or something like that. Yeah, it's more it's beer and and, and below five percent or something or below yeah the, maybe wine as well. Uh, but, yeah. but the heavy stuff like over 15 or 20 percent that then you need to be 18. yeah it's it's actually quite normal here if it's like a new year celebration um if you're like 14 15 16 like, i mean my parents usually give me um i don't know if i, I don't know if i can like say that on the record but like let's say that they kind of allegedly uh give me a, a like a glass of champagne just just a small one just for a new year like it's not a problem here yeah uh, that kind of thing yeah, yeah. it's the same here <laughs> I, I i like i like the way the podcast starts with simulations and ai and the internet of things goes into beer <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah. more like like in russian samagonka yeah that, uh, that that has something to it. Yeah, it moved quickly. <laughs> yeah. how, how can Internet of Things be applied to the drinking drinking industry? Yeah, it, I think a lot of use cases. Automate the brewing process and... Uh... Yeah. Can, can it be like you... Can, can it be like you... You, you drink and kind of senses that you've had too much and... It, Automatic, automatically close a taxi or something. <laughs> yeah, probably on your, uh, if it automatically like takes a blood sample or something or, <laughs> or smells your breath. Oh my god. <laughs> I can almost see that a robot like like, like a robot or, or like or, or like a glass kinda gets the middle and like gets your blood sample and like Ugh! <laughs> and, then it, and then it checks your blood, and, and, and then it checks your blood every ten minutes or so. Ten minutes like, or something. Like well, well, yeah. welcome to the bright future where your glass will be uh, putting the needles into your body every ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it will sell, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I, I think they do that in like, I think there's the middle therapy where, or something like that. I don't know how it's called. But when people like put middles in themselves, it's like in the movies sometimes. Uh, and it's yeah, kind of like yeah. some Chinese or Eastern thing or, you know, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's like the, um, the takeaway here is that there's a lot of potential when it comes to the internet of things. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't know. I actually don't know. Maybe you have like a funny story uh, 
from like your Belgian beer or something, and then we can like go back to the, to other topics. I, I I just feel like I just feel that'd be cool to like, you know, start. Yeah, yeah. Um. So if you're you're asking for a funny story. Yeah. Um, like maybe we had like some some something funny happen. That's, with regards to beer, <laughs> I don't know to to anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. I don't know by heart something. Uh... Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. No, 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 no problem. So <laughs> I don't even know where to go after beer <laughs> and some agonka <laughs> and <laughs> all that stuff, but. School of AI, you you host meetups for School of AI, or you do yeah, something yeah. with this in so, Antwerp? Uh, we, we started with School of AI, I think about uh, two months ago or something, okay. uh, here in Antwerp. Um, so we hosted our first session together with the university and some companies in the city. Um, and it was pretty cool. We had a, a lot of people were, were, uh, were interested, I think about uh, 200 attendees or something. Um, and even Siraj called in. Sorry, 200 uh, what? Attendees, 200 people that, that ah, came. Ah, attendees, okay, okay, yeah, I see. Yeah. 100 people who came to, Mira, to the Mirab, yeah? Yeah, to the opening event, the first time. To the opening event, yeah. Yeah. And, and you were helping to organize that one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we hosted that one at our university, and then uh, last week or two weeks ago, we had our second event, which was about reinforcement learning. An introduction to reinforcement learning it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, again, a lot of interested people, interest, interested people, a lot of interesting people also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was nice. So I'm looking forward. We will have sessions every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a lot of cool topics coming up. I'm working on preparing a session about uh, understanding the math behind mm-hmm. uh, neural networks. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm working on preparing some some Jupyter notebooks and then do a small presentation about uh, about how you can build the neural network from scratch and understand the derivatives and so on. Mm-hmm. The linear uh, algebra. That and, you need to and that'll be about some 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 specific neural network architecture or like in general. Yeah, I wanna I wanna start with regular uh, solving uh, with a with a softmax activation and cross entropy uh, yeah. loss, for example, and then I wanna build towards uh, explaining uh, the map behind uh, CNNs. So, oh, yeah. Will, will you be doing some sort of webcast? Because I feel like I got a brush. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, maybe. I, I'm I, serious. I, I mean, I, I get the math, math behind the feedforward neural networks, but uh, when it comes to CNNs, I only know like the basic mechanics. I haven't really, you know, solved through the math, math there. That would yeah, be cool. Of course. Um, it would be it would be interesting. Maybe we can uh, we can uh, record the session and, and put it on yeah. YouTube or something. I, th- I, th- I think that's useful content. Especially if you're like taking taking your time to prepare all the material. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, we should do it definitely. I, I had some questions from other friends as well who couldn't join some sessions, so mm-hmm. yeah, will we'll be cool to share it. And and who was the guy uh, who who said that? Like, let's organize school of AI at our university in Antwerp. Um, well, it was I did I decided to do that. Um, ah, that was you. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were you were the the enthusiast behind that, yeah. Exactly, I'm the enthusiast, yeah. So, uh... And you probably asked your co your coworkers, uh, other researchers, fellow researchers, to help. And what what was like their reaction? Did they know about uh, School of AI, Saraj's channel, maybe? Um, some of them had heard about it, but um, they, they, I think most of them knew Siraj. Um, Siraj. I mean, yeah. if you're a bit interested in AI and you're on YouTube, you probably yeah. know Siraj. So, yeah. Uh, so they, they knew about him. And, and um, we, I, we already tried to do something similar before School of AI, mm -hmm. uh, set up regular sessions with people that are interested in learning about AI and, and sharing their knowledge. Um, so we, we did that, we, we organized some sessions on YouTube, um, mm -hmm. but it was always difficult to, uh, to find people that were interested in, interested in attending and interested in, uh, in, in also organizing uh -huh. sessions. Like it, like in coming to like a real life event, but like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, physical, exactly. yeah. Yeah, like a physical, it was always a physical event that we had. Uh, and then School of AI, AI was, a, was, a great, was a great excuse to, to try it again. Mm -hmm. But now we, we really had the formal, uh, a formal way of organizing it. And it was backed by Siraj, most people know him. Um, then I, I, I told it to my, to my uh, boss at the university. He was very interested. He wanted to help, he even sponsored uh the first event so uh, mm -hmm. also the university was 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 interested and they they uh wanted to help with facilitating uh the uh, the event and so on so mm -hmm. yeah. and and if and the the event takes place in in in, in the university in, in you know yeah. in the classes there yeah 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 we have like a big audit uh how do you say like a big room Oh yeah, yeah. Where we I get, can, I get uh, what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, it, it was like 300 places or something, and we could use, uh, we could we could use it entirely. So it was great that they wanted to help us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so and how do you kind of and like so you say I want to start a school of AI meetup here at Antwerp University. You, you like go to your to your. Again, like fellow co-workers and to the boss and ask around. They say yes, go do that. And what what do you do then? Where do you go? Whom like do you ask about it? Yeah, so it took some it took some time. I told them they were all very interested and they wanted to help. So the first thing was okay. Well, what are we gonna do first? We want to do something big and, and make mm -hmm. sure that a lot of people will attend. Um, and and. Wow, there's a lot of traffic here, so I'm a bit distracted. <laughs> <I can hear laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah, I guess no so. problem. Uh, but anyway, um, they were really... The, really the, the, they, they need the I IoT traffic lights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's the problem. <laughs> They're frustrated that they don't have yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so so the first thing was to, to find the right uh, speakers and, uh, mm -hmm. and get them together in a single event. So we contacted uh, AI specialized companies here in the city mm -hmm. and, and most of them were very interested to help us. And, um, and what, ki what kind of AI companies were, were this? Like what were they doing? So we had a, we had a company who was also uh, applying AI on Internet of Things. Um, another one was more focused on building chatbots like natural language processing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, another was also healthcare, also Johnson and Johnson, the big health healthcare company, and, and th those uh, those were the three that we contacted, and all three of them um, uh, attended the event. So it was was really cool that they that they wanted to help us out directly. Okay, so I just had to tell my little sister that I will go to jail if I if if she if she doesn't go away. <laughs> typical, <laughs> typical, yeah, typical older, typical like Big Brother stuff. Yeah. So you were saying about the AI companies like Johnson and Johnson Healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Um... Uh, uh, and, and by the way, what are they doing in healthcare? I'm just wondering. What um... are they so yeah it, it's for example a use case they were interested in is is uh, discovering uh, maybe new new cures like new um yeah medicine that can help and they use ai techniques to to really uh, generate might be prompt generate those, those drugs yeah like those some yeah, to, to look at the combination of various ingredients let's mm -hmm. say i think trying to predict um trying to predict if it might be uh, might help on a certain disease or something i think that's so, the main context so 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 they uh kind of get like so they look at the existing drugs like what they're made of and kind of their uh their effects that they cause and then they try to like show that to I don't know, neural nets or whatever like some data science analysis or what? what Something doing. like that, yeah, that's the main idea. And they have all of this historical data of profiles of certain uh, medicine, of certain uh, active ingredients. And uh, I think they want to explore this huge uh, set of data that they have to see if, if something mm -hmm. might be interesting to look at. That That's at least the main idea that I, that I, uh, that I have. Uh, but I, I'm not a specialist in healthcare, so I'm, I'm not 100%. Okay. Sure. But that was the idea. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, maybe you've heard, maybe they've discovered some drugs that way. Um, I'm not sure, actually. I think it, it's still, again, a POC and proof of concept. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> but, so. But 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 I guess like they're not out of business, so I guess there there's gotta be something, yeah. Yeah, well, I I'm not sure what the results are. Okay, 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 okay. So, okay, okay, no worries. So you get like those speakers, and and what happens then? Um, so, so what happens? Can you repeat the question? Uh, sure, sure. Um, so. You kind of get the speakers from all those different companies. All um, right. What yeah. what do you then to kind of keep organizing the event? Yeah, so event. I, I asked for topics that they that they wanted to talk about. Um, they were free in that, and then try to just pick a date when everyone is available, and and put it on the internet, put it on meet on, on a meetup page, and uh, and hopefully people will attend. <laughs> so, <laughs> luckily, that happened. And you, and you said 200 people came, yeah? Yeah, so two, 200, I think more than 200 um, told me they, uh, how do you say, they uh, uh, they, they subscribed on, on mm -hmm. Meetup. Mm -hmm. And I think about 150 actually mm -hmm. attended. Uh, we and, didn't count. So. 
And I wonder how many like of those 150 people were students at Antwerp and how many were just you know AI enthusiasts uh, who were living nearby and so I, I think it was it was a mix it was <laughs> about 10 20 percent students and, and okay. the rest all oh. enthusiasts so uh, cool. maybe a bit more students maybe 30 percent something like that it was mm -hmm. a, a healthy mix between people that were professionals people that were getting started people that, uh, that were studying AI and so on we also had people from physics it's really very broad spectrum of uh, of backgrounds, which which is definitely very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and 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 di and did you give a talk there, like some opening talk or? Yeah, you know... I give an opening talk, a short one about the vision that we have about AI, mm -hmm. um, um, really about what we want to do with uh, with School of AI. <laughs> um, I think that was a main message that I that I give, and and also told people that it was really that there's no excuse to if, you, if you're interested you can get started there are so many great resources available uh, great books that they that they can use so we'll really try to motivate them to get started and and how did you articulate those uh, goals of school of ai no what did, well, what did you tell them i think the main idea is that we want to bring people together at a, reg at a regular uh, regular time so monthly and and then just discuss a certain topic that is that is hot or or maybe a more fundamental topic like math techniques and so mm -hmm. on and and just um, have a really easy going conversation uh, maybe a presentation and 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 mm -hmm. try to work together like uh, try to learn something uh, mm -hmm. So, like for example, the session we had last year, uh, last week, the reinforcement learning session, it was uh, someone was working on reinforcement learning. He just uh, shared his, his knowledge, his uh, his uh, learnings with us, and he prepared a, a short uh, tutorial or mm -hmm. a short uh, challenge, and and then we started working on it. it was it was really cool. We had a one hour presentation, and then some time for for hands. And, and that was uh, that was last week, right? Yeah, I think last okay. last week or the week before. Yeah, the week okay. before. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. And and was it hard to kind of get re registered in the school of AI like website or you know kind of uh, no, get accepted? Easy, yeah. No, it was was um, I just submitted the form okay. and I think two weeks later or something uh, I heard it. Uh, <laughs> I, I was selected to be the dean of School of AI and okay. <laughs> and the word dean, what does it kind of implies that you're kind of that you're gonna help organize the events, you're gonna like organize them, yeah. take take care of like meetups and all, all like get, getting together like the local community. Yeah, yeah, so I, taking the res uh -huh. responsibility yeah, to, yeah. To, to host these sessions and and make sure that someone is really. Uh, Trying to motivate people to mm. to prepare sessions to get to to think about um, what curriculum we will we will have what what kind of sessions we will organize and get a mix in, in in the topics so that we not always have reinforcement learning but also cover maybe yeah. uh, GANs and 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 object okay. detection I don't know something yeah and like what was like so far the most exciting thing that you've kind of experienced maybe like in terms of like meeting people or like getting new ideas from there or just you know the process of organizing school of AI and you know 
in the course of those events. Yeah, I think it was really cool to see that so many people were interested. I really didn't expect that. Uh, when we tried to organize similar things a year or two years ago, mm -hmm. we had like two people, three people <laughs> that turned up. And now suddenly uh, we, had, we had more than 100. Uh, so, so that was, was great. There was a lot of enthusiasm. You really yeah. see that there, there is a momentum and that people are, are interested in, in, in learning more. And, and uh, I think that's great. So, so we, we picked the right time to get started with School of AI. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I think I virtually I've been like at a local student conference, and uh, the teacher who kind of um, how do I say it, who kind of supervised my my project there, he he told me that like last year there was almost no one who was you know building something with AI, at least like in Novosibirsk. But now, like this time, there were there were like I don't know fifty percent of the people, maybe forty to fifty percent. There were I mean it wasn't like a big thing. It was like uh, ten people. It was the so so the conference works like this. There are really local levels that are like around your school, like around your like neighborhood, basically. And then there's yeah. like, the city level, and then there's like the region level. And so at that level, there were like fifty percent of the. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. we're, yeah, we've been working with my friend there on a project. We basically use uh, a lot of convolutional neural networks, uh, and design them in a way that 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 can potentially, and we really hope that well, we'll put in practice help uh, visually impaired people who can see uh, to basically. Use the help of like convolutional neural nets and object detectors to and and face recognition stuff that you know I'm getting into yeah, to, yeah. to to kind of le le leverage that and turn that into the audio format to help. Uh, help That's really help. cool. That, that yeah. was with the with the bus numbers. Eh? I think I saw it on your Twitter uh, feed. The, with what? the YOLO algorithm and the, the bus yeah. numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm basically doing here. I've been, I've built, I've trained YOLO to take bus doors open, close bus numbers, then uh, just how to run it, how to, then I'm like now getting to face, uh, face recognition, emotion detection, age detection, wow. age recognition, uh, and kind of, yeah, exploring new ways of doing that. Uh, what I, I've recently found out that that I can get like much better accuracy. I've basically I've basically downloaded like eight hundred images from Google for women and for for females and for males, and then instead of like using the neural network to train, uh, to train like on their on like their face on on just like the image of their faces, I use the embeddings. Do you know about the embeddings embeddings and like face recognition? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So extracted those embeddings from faces and then you know, got two classes, uh, male and female, as if I was like recognizing faces like yeah, I don't know, yeah. John, John, Ivan, Stick. Uh, so yeah. I got like two classes, male, female, and by that approach, you know, from like the images from Google, uh, the results were much better. They were about like thirty to forty percent better than maybe like fifty percent better than. I, by just me pointing my webcam at Google and at myself, and 
you know, than what I got with like the other neuronals. So, and I can, I can of course get more data and I'm kind of trying to build something reliable. There, there, there were a lot of fun stuff. Uh, there, there was a lot of fun at the conference, but one of the problem was, was that neural network that was, uh, that was kind of responsible for detecting genders. It wasn't working properly. And that kind of what got me here. So, so you can imagine, I kind of, we launched the, the whole thing on the laptop. We get into the mode where it detects faces and at a point, uh, a camera at a, at a girl and it says like it's a and the, and get and get the emotion like it's a neutral it's like a neutral it's like a calm and it says like it's a boy not a girl and like the other <laughs> way around and that, that was version but overall yeah. work yeah and and and, and the, yeah. yeah and that was like that beautiful new word that I've learned from you that is not word but like the abbreviation the proof of of concept the PUC of ours we see yeah gotta gotta use them more often yeah so basically i handled neural nets my friend and was the surgeon of the output so that so that it can you know so it doesn't just tell you i don't know like uh, a potted plant here and like all the weird stuff and it jumps to the importance like first tell uh, first kind of describes humans in the image then uh, then cars and animals and right, and yeah, also yeah. like sorts and outputs information for all the like different scenarios and for and then and then handles the audio outputs that actually uh, says that out loud. And right now we have it so that you can uh, grab a laptop, put it in the backpack, uh, get your phone connected to it via a webcam, and plug a headphone from your phone in your ear and walk. Nice. Yeah, but uh, it's really cool. Cool yeah, community. I mean, th there's a lot that can be improved, and we're working on it. But yeah. Yeah, the progress is encouraging. Yeah, so it's, it's I can really imagine. It's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. great. But, but yeah, I was pissed off when it was like detecting boys uh, versus girls in like the wrong way. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Uh, did you, did but, you fix it by now? Yeah, as I said, I got, I got like better accuracy with using face recognition. So uh, yeah. I'll try to improve that even better by giving it more data. I, I I've shown I've shown the like uh, I didn't show with kids, so I've shown like old people and then like adults and teenagers. But I didn't like specifically Google the kids' pictures, so I guess it's yeah. mistake kids because uh, the way kind of. I guess that it works that once it kind of gets that embedding, it's got suddenly a lot more features to like look at. And maybe yeah. when it's a female face, it kind of looks at. I mean, basically, a lot of faces of kids, they kind of look like female faces because they're, they're more similar to, to female faces than they're like to male faces. Definitely, you don't have the, the male the beard, the beard, specific things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, like, boys are. And, you know, when they grow up, they become more, more like masculine. So basically, I gotta show yeah. more of kids. It, it's kind of uh, not yeah, not it will make doing a great. If you add kids, probably to your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like yeah, but but like I think it's super cool because if we can get something that's computationally not that expensive and that and uh, I mean we're doing that for free and hopefully deploy that on a smartphone in the future so i mean you can imagine if you uh, from not being able to shoot to being able to tell with a good confidence whether in front of you like a a 
man or woman or whether what's their emotion, whether they're smiling or they're upset, uh, and yeah. just being able to describe them. Like, for instance, you walk into the room, you don't know what there is. You see that there's a fridge and there's a stuff and there's a there's food, and you can kind of guess that it's a kitchen. So yeah, I think that's yeah. really really. There's a lot that can be you know, done Definitely. with it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's a nice view. Definitely very nice. Yeah, and a good thing that I'm like we're also learning along the way because basically all the things that you can use here exactly. you can still yeah. make a robot or self-driving car. So it's kind of also building yeah. up the for the future. So that's, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, 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 so great. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we were talking about school VA <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then went to the rabbit hole of saying what I was doing. But yeah, yeah it was really cool. I'm impressed. Yeah. Thanks. Maybe you have some recommendations on, you know, maybe there's something that I should check out, some useful. Um, you, you were using the YOLO algorithm, yeah. Did you look at other algorithms? I, I know there are some uh, some other interesting. Yeah, I, I I'm thinking about it, but I haven't so far. But I'm I'm really open to whatever works best. Mm -hmm. uh, do yeah. you have like yeah? I'm not sure, but um, sorry, sorry. Do you have a do you have a minute? My girlfriend, which was asking. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Wife, wife approval is the most important thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Um, so, so I just use so, my magic pen to then cut, cut that cut that moment out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we we, ha we need to leave in a couple of minutes. So. Uh, oh, of course. Close, but, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, then we gotta wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry? Okay. Yeah, yeah, if, if it's possible. Yeah, yeah of, of, of course. So just, if you have just a couple of minutes, you can finish by, by just, just tell your experience with, uh, just, just what are you excited to work on now? And maybe, yeah. Yeah, what, what I really like now, what are trying I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to get deeper into the math behind the neural networks, and 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 that's really, um, it's really helpful to get a, a very good, solid understanding of, mm -hmm. of what's going on, and and try to yeah get get a grasp of, of how you can make your algorithms better. Um, so so that's something I really really like at the moment, and it it takes a lot of time to to go into deep, and but but I like it and. Um, and, and there again, there are so many great resources available uh, on the internet. There are all these great courses on on Coursera and so on. Um, so it's it's a great journey uh, for me. To yeah, and it's super exciting to see so many people just tuning in into the journey and attending the school of AI. Yeah, 150 yeah, people. Definitely, that's that's crazy. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. So stick. That was my my pleasure, and I want to virtually shake your hand. <laughs> yeah, let's shake hands. Let's shake it. <laughs> yep, yep, something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
Okay. Okay, I wish you luck with whatever wherever you're gonna go. I hope that your traffic lights will behave somewhat like this smart <laughs> IoT traffic lights yeah. and there won't be that many crazy traffic. I hope that wife approval doesn't uh, that doesn't doesn't you know limit you <laughs> all, all too much and w- w- one day we'll 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 do something about it. Okay, Great. so Great. so thanks for listening. If if you're listening, <laughs> and yeah, I I I yeah, bye bye. Bye, you will see you. Goodbye in your native language. <laughs> I heard that before with Carol. It's another surprise for me. I guess me. so, yeah. Now you know what it means. Uh, how do you say Tatsi? Totsis. Totsis. I like that. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to learn Dutch this way someday. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you as well. So, so much. Enjoyed it. Gotta do that sometime again.